Hello everyone. Hello, hello. Yes, welcome to another episode of the Somanami podcast where we exist to center African ideas, aspirations, experiences and narratives. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us today. Um yeah. so how do we kick off today's episode? Um, I think we'll kick it off with um, what's popping Africa. Yes, a lot is happening. A lot is always happening in Africa. Yes. We are one billion people, so yeah. <laughs> so what has caught my attention this week, and this is something that happened yesterday, mm-hmm. was the DRC, Democratic mm-hmm. Republic of Congo, has officially joined the East African community. Yay! Yes! Um, That's excellent news. It is. Um, I remember going to Kigali, Kigali, then going to Gisenyi, and Mm -hmm. we couldn't cross over. Yeah. We we didn't have a visa, and we didn't feel like, you know, like spending a couple of dollars just to cross the market. Yeah. Literally, the border is a road. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I look forward to just moving freely. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is like when you look at how Africa was sort of partitioned and countries were decided. So this is Rwanda, this is Burundi, this is DRC. But when you look at the structure of the people living in these countries, you're basically yeah. the same. You're the same. Yeah. Like you move. There from was total disregard for communities, yes. for cultures, yeah. for. In any case, the the scramble was not for yeah, Africans. It was not. Yes, it was about the imperial powers deciding this is um, the region I want, and this is where I want. This is where I think I'll find gold or whatever. Yeah. It was never about we found communities living in these areas and yeah. what is best for them. So that was never yeah. in the plan. And so it's actually really mm-hmm. good when you see Africans, you know, coming back, back. Yes. Yeah. Coming back, back to that. that. And deciding, oh, you know what, mm-hmm. we are actually not that different. Yeah, that division doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I think that should be something that happens. Like, can we just erase these borders? Can at we? least yes. even just for African yeah. people. Um, the fact that you're born in this continent should give you free access to the entire thing. Hallelujah. Right? So I am hoping visas for everybody else. But like, not Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, is true. Nice. I don't think you like what is the what is the reason for the visa? Especially what was when the you're reason? yes, Cardi B, please. <laughs> what was the reason? Yeah, like there's absolutely no reason why yeah. me going to Nigeria, I need to go apply for a visa or going to South Africa. Yes, so. there was a reason they were put to there. I mean, like the whole scramble thing. But you see, why have we carried it on? Yes, why haven't we sat down and questioned? Oh wait a minute, why do I need to cross Tanzania? visit my grandmother and have to file 50,000 yes. people. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely unnecessary. So we're hoping the African governments are going to style up. Mm-hmm. Governments listening to this. Yes. <laughs> Please style up. But something else is happening. Has uh-huh. happened uh, in the last few days mm-hmm. as well. Tell me, tell me. And I feel like this is, it's news. It should make us happy. I don't know if it's enough. Uh, and it has to do with uh, Blaze Compare. Ah, yes. Think, am I saying that correct? <laughs> Blaze uh, was Sankara's, uh, Thomas Sankara's um, deputy. Yes. And now that we know, we have always suspected yeah. was the assassin or was the person behind yeah, his the assassination. assassination. Yeah. 
and yeah. that is that is a case that's finally been tried yeah. and the sentence is out <laughs> <laughs> are you laughing i'm laughing because first yeah this guy was tried in absentia so when he was thrown out or when he was overthrown yeah. because of course he was overthrown via coup yeah and he moved to ivory coast and he's now an ivorian citizen because he was granted citizenship so now he's been tried in absentia found yeah. guilty in absentia has been sentenced t- sentenced in absentia and he's meant to spend the rest of his life in jail in absentia in a, as well in a Bukinabe. but i think that the, the symbolism of it is good enough right well, is it it's Isn't it isn't it 36 years too late? Yeah, and the guy is 77 years yeah. old. So even a life in prison is like how much life is left? Yeah. <laughs> and you know it begs the question like is the semblance of justice enough? Mm. Right? Because justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah. So when you put this off for 36 years and finally make a decision on it. Yeah. For somebody who's not even present. Yeah. But like, it, does that really lessen Like is has justice been served for Sankara? No, I don't think so. And but but the semblance of it is a good thing because it's better than the silence that has Oh my god. Like I don't know. <laughs> I kind of feel like we are so used to being comfortable with crumbs. Uh, you know, at like the, at least like at least that kama alikuwa 77. Yeah. Something happened. But I'm hoping we're going to move into a new phase where we demand for justice now not yeah. justice in in a future where probably half the population of Burkina, Burkina Faso right now yeah and yeah actually yeah probably yes yes because if you think the, about the population yeah half the population Burkina I mean uh, Burkina Faso is probably has been born after after this Tom, so yeah after so Thomas Sankara yeah. but yeah anyway me yeah, i am i'm moving i'm not i'm not going to glorify the verdict because i feel it's 36 years too late it's something <laughs> but i don't want to be least. complacent yeah. in at least it's something the reality of it is that even when somebody leaves power they it's never a clean cut so yeah. for blaze he probably had still had his proxies in there yeah. so even for something like this to be brought to trial has taken a whole new yeah um system change of new people to come in who are not yeah. you know beholden to the previous regime yeah and i'm just thinking so, maybe maybe for another episode we definitely need to talk about the post colonial era coups in africa oh my gosh oh my god that would be a whole season of it <laughs> i <think>. know <laughs> we need to focus on the why the yes. why of it yeah because i don't think we get to talk about the why is enough like why was each and every single african country going through yeah. a coup and coup and post coups and military yes. and that yeah. and yeah So the 60s 70s were just mess mess mess. Yes. Those were like decades of just <laughs> mess. So anywho, that's, that's um today's segment on what's popping Africa. But um for this particular episode, we want to talk about something that started in my opinion, mm-hmm. started as a very noble cause. Yeah. But I feel over the years has taken so many tangents, twists and turns yeah. that even understanding the issue 
sort of takes you round in circles yeah. and that is um who gets to tell a story mm. right um and circling that back on the infamous now own voices <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah and uh, yeah so i but you'll tell us a bit about own voices but i always feel like when you ask that question of who gets to tell the story yeah it's such a kind of worms it is i but it's also just a necessary thing to ask because yeah. we know for a fact what the dominant voices are and what the, the dominant voices have been mm-hmm. so when the people that have not had a mic now start saying yeah um hello can i speak for myself which is what we are doing yes. right <laughs> which is exactly <laughs> this house of mirrors yeah um but yeah tell us a bit about like yeah the, um, the hashtag own voices and that movement so it's a movement that i've been trying to understand and at times i feel like okay now i get it <laughs> and then i read another article i'm like huh i so i changed my mind i changed and i don't get it anymore but essentially the own voices movement was coined by um an author who writes um children's book and i think she's disabled okay and she started the hashtag but it was meant to be spotlighting like yeah. the hashtag was meant to spotlight um books that have been written mm. by authors who identify embody. or embody the identity of the characters ah right? or the experience that okay yes okay and so it started as a spotlight okay like yes you have everything else yeah. but this particular book has been written by by an own voice mm, like mm, the author mm. is actually embodying has lived. has lived identifies with the character yeah. right yeah. um in the book but over the years it's taken tangents and twists and turns yeah. and it revolves around who gets to tell a story and then can you encompass each and every single personality trait of your characters yeah and if you do that then are you writing You're a writing memoir a exactly and and even within the memoir you can't even speak for the other people that approximate to you right yes. you can only speak how they have affected you so. yes and 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 i think that's one spectrum of looking at it um and the, i started by saying like i get why the thing exists yeah um that yes there's been a dominant voice and that voice looks a certain way and hasn't given way for a diversity of thought uh, voices yes. thoughts uh, takes yeah. and opinions but on the other hand um storytelling is a creative activity so it's 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 an exercise on imagination it is so when you start to say oh you're only allowed to say this you're yeah. only allowed to say things that you come across that you've experienced then what are we doing what are we doing and and i get that so and i feel like telling thing like we cannot curb imagination we cannot curb creativity we cannot limit um authors and what they get to write mm-hmm. but also in doing that um how do you also ensure mm-hmm. that stereotypes are not reinforced mm-hmm. stereotypes are not perpetuated and propagated yeah right because the person telling the story it's very important who gets to tell a story mm. 
Kabisa. It's extremely important because you're telling a story based off your own understanding of an issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um your own and if it's not your story, you're then infusing bias. You're infusing bias. Yeah. And you know, like I was telling you the other day I was having a conversation with Fifi and she mentioned the bubble of indifference mm-hmm. right yeah and which was a conversation she also had from an author that we uh, we love ananda devi mm-hmm. ananda devi from uh, mauritius from mauritius yes, yes. and uh, so the bubble of indifference according to ananda devi is we all li- we all have certain lived experiences mm-hmm. and that is what is known to you And, and when you encounter an other mm-hmm. when you encounter somebody else you're really not able to understand in totality their experiences the emotions um the traumas mm-hmm. and and you know that the whole spectrum of another individual yeah because we sort of live in our own bubbles like this is my experience my this is what i know so colored glasses yes it takes a lot for you to get out of that bubble of mm-hmm. indifference So our authors challenging themselves to actually address it. Yeah. When you decide to tell a story of another person, yeah. when you decide to tell stories of experiences that are not your own, that are not um even experiences of people in your circle, yeah. but because you kind of feel passionate about a certain topic. Yeah. For example, like um um living in America, yeah. right? A white person living in mid west america yeah and then you watch a documentary on cnn about some africa. refugees <laughs> in uh, somalia <laughs> and then you decide aha interesting I, i wonder what it feels like interesting yes to walk 10 kilometers a day yes. to fetch water and you decide to tell that story yes. of a somali in yeah in, 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 in kakuma in, or... yes okay i i Oh, I think there are several books that exist. Yeah, already that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that the initial movement for <laughs> actually and mind. the fact that they exist is a is a problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Um and I guess that is what on voices was talking about. Yeah. It was like, okay, fine. There are all these white random people who are writing about Somalis mm-hmm. in refugee camps in Africa. Yes, how about But there's also a Somali in a refugee camp in Africa who has written that yes. story but which ears are you listening to and uh, oof and so then i think the question becomes it's not a problem of who is telling the story mm-hmm. but what stories get to be amplified because then what what we're saying is that uh if we then say you can only tell certain stories that's yeah. censorship right yeah so then the question becomes Yes, everybody has freedom of expression and you can tell whatever story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. But what stories get amplified? Okay. What stories get more believability, more yeah. access, more amplification? Yeah. And why? Yeah. But in in also saying that I'm also trying to see are we also absolving the mm-hmm. authors? Because okay. when we talk about story and amplification we're not looking at the industry the aspect of it the, the structure of the okay. industry okay. Okay. and the books that the publishers decide that this is what I'm publishing and this is what I'm not yeah. which is also something that needs to be addressed yes right and, and I think yes and 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 while just saying books but this is not unique to books yeah. you see that with photographers yes. in the flown in as if there are no camera bearing <laughs> humans <laughs> in Africa yeah. equally talented you see this in articles yeah. you know 
and yeah basically yes again storytelling yeah, yeah. Uh, storytelling and amplification like i was saying speaks mm. to the structure of it yeah. and who decides which story am i publishing yes right which story am i putting in the paper uh putting in a book which story am i editing yeah all right but mm-hmm. for this um midwestern american white person okay what is their responsibility yeah when they decide to tell a story knowing full well yeah. that they have the access yes that the person in somalia who's also trying to tell their story yes. doesn't have it's true so where is the honor so let's talk about responsibility yes uh, because as somebody who has access who has privilege mm-hmm. the least you can be self aware yeah that yes that um i have access to bigger a bigger platform yeah. i have access to doors i have access to places where the actual people would yeah. only dream of so what's the right thing to do yeah. in that situation what's the right thing to do and what what decision do you make when you actually realize that you may not have full information to be able to tell a story properly yes right Let's because tell i the story properly. yeah because i think you there's a there's such a nonchalant attitude by mm-hmm. some authors uh I'm not saying white authors but you know uh white authors but <laughs> <laughs> naming names yeah, yeah that it, it it does not matter yeah. whether somebody thinks I'm representing them yeah. my goal is to write this book and I feel very passionate about the people suffering in Somalia yeah and i, I feel moved. it's my place to give them a voice <laughs> i am moved yeah because i, I have usually need to speak for them like you know that phrase for i'm the voice of the voiceless mm. i nowadays i take it with such a pinch of salt yeah because how yeah. about you give the microphone to that person and see what they say yeah like why are you appointing yourself the voice yes for and, the voiceless and how why are you labeling somebody voiceless, voiceless exactly like Yeah, audacity. Yes. Hello. <laughs> But, and, and and if this person is voiceless, how then do you even know their story? How exactly. do you know what they're like, experiencing? How do you know their Thank you. That it's yeah. a whole paradox on it. it so, yeah, because if the person is voiceless, What? then how are you their voice? How are you their and What are you talking about exactly other than your to. own notions yeah. of what this and your own assumptions? Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of authors will go that route. Yeah. And will talk and will write books based off assumptions. <laughs> and yes. based of desk research or oh, i read one article about one certain refugee or, or i lived there for two weeks oh my god yes <laughs> and so i know yeah i'm an authority on the yeah. subject you know I'm, like, i'm an africa expert i remember last week i was um talking um to somebody who'd come to the store yeah. about um jomo kenyatta's facing mount kenya yeah right okay and the way he faced a lot of backlash with people asking him yeah. establishment asking him why are you telling this story yeah. like what authority do you have yeah. to tell an, anthro- an anthropological story yeah. or to tell this anthropological study what business ah. what are your qualifications are you an anthropologist um i have lived uh, excuse me <laughs> excuse I me to be human rewind <laughs> i am talking about my life i'm talking about my community what makes you an authority on your life can you imagine like, have you been to school to like study he, jomo kenyatta has actually addressed it in the forward yeah and okay. he justifies why yes like but isn't that ridiculous that somebody would question your methods you, yes uh bearing witness yeah. to your actual life yes 
But somebody thinks because you have not attended anthropology 101 and 102, and uh, so you're unqualified your, to say I was born in yes, this place, yeah, and this is what I lived through, and this is what I yes. saw, and this is. And you, and you know, in the book, he talks a lot about the land issues, uh, the communal system of the Gekoyos, mm-hmm. uh, how land was owned, how farming was done. Yeah. And and that was like as a rebuttal to the colonialists who came and said there was empty land. And we came and found oh empty gosh. land. Oh my God. So in facing <laughs> Mount Kenya, Jomo Kenyatta addresses it yeah. and talks about this was not empty land because this was the kikuyu communal way of owning land and farming yeah right but yeah establishment was still asking him eh, it does not matter that you are 77 years old yeah and what, uh, what makes you an authority yes what makes you an authority <laughs> well i i love the audacity of it exactly the non-melanated folks because <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that is the same thing that happens you know today that somebody will feel because i have maybe read and i have done a phd on migration yeah then i am i am the most qualified do you know what i find interesting is that all these um western institutions learning institutions will always have a africa studies degree in these studies is eastern studies i'm like what is that even for? Yes, I also and these are the it. people that you find in panels yes. on CNN as African experts. But I'm like, boss, are we are we a subject to study? No, like, because we, you're you're not a, a phenomenon <laughs> to examine. <laughs> yes, you're there as caricature <laughs> to be observed. <laughs> like you're this enigmatic thing, because I personally I hold strongly the belief that. Um, a lot of people do not view Africans or black people as full human beings. You're always something to be studied. You're always something to be understood. You're always something to, you know, be engaged in a certain way. Yeah. It's never... Yeah, with... with Yeah, like you have... The person has to remove themselves. Yes. Like they have to wear certain gloves. Exactly. To engage. Yeah. But if you're, if you're talking about... And you're going to school. Like, why yeah. don't you have studies in your well, Europe, European, yes, studies, European studies or, 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 uh, maybe there's European studies uh, and it's probably historical I would love to study that it's probably classical or historical <laughs> yeah. it's not about the current people living in Paris yes. why do yeah. they work like they do why yeah. do they eat the thing they eat Yeah. so you're always something to but let's, always an other thing to yeah. study let's to, let's let's go back to the responsibility of the person holding the mic yes so one you can pass pass the mic yes perhaps you just do that maybe 90 percent of the cases you can actually pass the mic yeah but let's talk about the 10 percent where you don't pass that mic and yeah. decide that you will write this story you feel what, very moved yes <laughs> <laughs> what is your responsibility in the 10 percent incidents that you actually get to tell the story yeah first you have to be very aware of your own bias and you actually even have to just confess and say um i this is not my lived experience yeah and i default to, i would default to somebody's yeah. correcting me yeah yeah and again even if it's a fictitious yes 
listen to your own bias um recognize your own bias mm. and work towards addressing the bias which yeah. is what you're saying like uh i need to talk to somebody else i need yeah. to maybe do a bit more research maybe yeah. i need to put in a few more years yeah. before i am ready to tell this story yes right you also have to be willing to listen yes to the people you're writing about yes because um and if they say that um you have drawn us as cartoons yeah then you have to be willing to take that feedback yeah because sometimes even after you've done all the work that you think you have done yeah perhaps it's still not enough yeah so you have to be receptive like always keep your ego at home yeah like, this is not the place to say oh but i did this but i lived in mexico for two weeks yeah. But I also spoke to my Mexican friends. Yeah. But but you know I was I worked with the aid agency at the border and this is what I saw. It's not your right? place. Yeah, it's not your place to decide what is authentic. Yes. When the people you're you writing about are telling you that this is not it. Yes. That this is this is not it. You're painting us in a very negative light or, or single brushes. Yes. Which is usually like the biggest yeah. culprit. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel probably that is where the disconnect is. Yeah. That this information is not received by the person who decides to write a story yeah. of another person. Yeah, and we know people that have Yeah, we know people who that have had said I'm dying on this field. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hill I'm dying on. It, it is my imagination and in fact, and I am sprinkle some arrogance on it yeah. and and just and be boom. offensive and be offensive and because I have got a huge advance really. Yeah. It's my it's it's my work. I have written it yeah. and so I am just going to die by it. Yeah. I think there's a huge responsibility on the author who takes on the huge task yeah. of of writing a story that is not theirs, mm. of writing characters that they are not familiar with. Yeah. Of giving a story lived experiences of people that they don't are embody, not don't are embody not in proximity. Yes. Proximity with and don't even have to live with the consequences yeah. of a certain portrayal. Yes. Um and, but race is an easy thing to contrast because it's very clear like that division is always very clear. Yeah. But I think this conversation can applies across the board. Yeah. Like should I decide to tell the story of a young boy? Yeah. Then what's my responsibility? how much can i <laughs> yeah how much can i you know approximate or yeah. how much can i assume and all of that yeah. or how much pre work do i have to do yeah. so i can authoritatively say because you know i've read certain books where say the protagonist or one of the main characters is mm-hmm. a child but you're reading and you're like this is not a, child. a child's brain these are not the thoughts of a child <laughs> these are not the thoughts of a child and it's a certain book that we have talked about several <laughs> right oh okay yeah we have uh uh-huh. is it burundi or rwanda it's, oh gosh yes yes um, and you listen to the voice of the protagonist and you're like this these are not the thoughts of a 10 year old yeah you know yes so you you fit yeah there, there's a lot of agendaing in the thing yeah and 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 there's a gentle way we're not saying that to say that kids are stupid because children like observe a lot yeah but there's a way that you can render the voice of a child that it becomes believable yes, yes that they see all these things but they shouldn't be able to like write pieces 
on the thing they are seeing. I mean, please just talk to Noviolet Bulawayo and ask her how she did it in We Need New Names. Yes. Because, I mean, that's a book where you can see then how the 10-year-old internalizes what is going on around them. Yes. In such a 10-year-old innocent way. Exactly. But the issues are so real and so shocking. Yeah. But the way the 10-year-old understands and interprets and then relays them in the book is so authentic. Like, you can see this is a child. Yes. Right? As opposed to somebody talking about Oh, immigration and using big words, and you're like, no way! Yes. Like, the, yes, that the ten year old might have been present, but did they understand it in that sense? Yeah, and I think we always reference the scene from We Need New Names, um, where the friend is has been impregnated. Yes, the friend is raped and impregnated by is it a family member? A pastor. It's a pastor. Yeah. Yes, and how the kids, you know, how they. How they don't know what they are seeing. Yes. But they know this shouldn't be. Yes. This is an anomaly. It's an anomaly. And even when they are considering removing the pregnancy. And they come to save their friend because this shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is jarring. That is, it is. It's jarring. It is. And I guess that is what we're trying to say. We're trying to say that uh, it's not enough to you. For you to decide, okay, then um, I'm gonna research, yeah, and I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm gonna sit on my computer and decide that uh, I'm gonna tell this story. Yeah, like there is a lot of the responsibility is actually even on the person who chooses to pick up a pen and write. Exactly. Right. Before we even move to who's publishing the story. Yes. It's. Who's, decide, who's deciding to tell this story and the and amount of work you're gonna put into writing yes, how much respect have they paid yeah. to who they are portraying yeah. you know who else has done a really good job of like a coming of age story mm-hmm. Nadifa Mohammed ah. in uh, Black Mamba Boy uh-huh. because uh, he traces the boy, uh, Jama from I think he's six all the way and we see him grow and you can even see his brain evolve and how he makes observations yeah. evolve as he grows older. I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, there are definitely authors who do a lot of justice yeah. to that. And I remember also having a conversation with Troy uh-huh. and he was talking about the book thief. <gasps> yes. Yes. Marcus Zusak. Yes. Ma- Marcus Zusak. Where he's writing about a blind girl experiencing the war. Yes, 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 yes. That is yes. probably a book that Wait, did not age that, too uh, well. All the light we cannot oh, see. Oh, sorry, yes. That that's is all the, the light, all the light we cannot see. Yes. But also the book thief. The book thief is also about a girl. A girl experiencing the, the war. war. Yes. The World War Two. World War Two. yes. And so you have to make deductions for yourself. Yeah. That this is a war and this is, this is an invasion or yeah. this is what is how the war is progressing because she's not going to give yeah. you that commentary. Yeah. It's for you to see through her eyes and with your adult brain, make those deductions. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful. Yeah. Like I loved how Troy interpreted it. I was like, okay, maybe I'll give this book another <laughs> shot. But you know, like this whole debate of own voices, it got me thinking like, would those books they would see be. the light of day? in this new age of cancel culture yeah and you're not allowed to write this mm. you can't write are you a blind girl yes. did you live through the world <laughs> war because i mean those are the checkboxes that people are now using to cancel authors who are writing but it's ridiculous if you think about it because even if i my protagonist has all the 
my experiences, my identities, yeah. then does that mean I can only write one character? character. Because I cannot be, <laughs> cannot be ten lives, and I can only write one book. Yeah. Because after that, I really yeah. the story. <laughs> what I guess the one we're person. saying is that this is a debate that will probably never end. Yeah. But there definitely needs to be a lot of consideration mm-hmm. across the entire system, whether yeah. it's publishing, yes. right? On which stories do you do you choose to amplify? Which stories do you choose to publish? Yeah. If you're faced with a story written by an own voice and an unown voice, mm. which story? And even I think for readers, because um, even for readers, you have agency in this yeah. matter. The, you are choosing to engage with books, to engage with stories. Yeah. So when you do find a book or a, a book that represents a single story, mm. like what is your, how are you educating yourself? Yeah. How are you presenting yourself with a variety of narratives? Yeah. Just so that you balance it you all balance out. It so out. that you also don't become another Africa expert yeah. and there in two, <laughs> for two weeks. Yeah. And so I know. Yeah. So I think on a subject matter, and that's why I like, like when you go to a certain place, like I just finished reading When We Were Birds um, by Ayana Banuo Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think. <laughs> uh, and I just felt like I got a glimpse of Trinidad, like the window just opened and I saw, mm. you know, I saw this island in its full color. And now I'm intrigued, like to find out more voices from yeah. Trinidad, just to try and understand, you know. Yeah. And and so that I think a one book, a single story should be the entry point yeah. of you even engaging yeah. with a certain geography certain people certain you know yeah yeah and also the authors and the responsibility on them to either choose to write a story or not Mm. when you don't feel you're ready to actually write the story yeah uh being open to feedback being Mm. open to learning yes be open to addressing your own bias yes be open to getting out of your bubble of indifference i completely loved that because i felt like if we all got out of our own bubbles of indifference yes when we enter different spaces yes then we enter those spaces with a sensitivity that is required yes and 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 we exercise empathy yes proactively exercise empathy. empathy yeah and i believe like you can extend that uh, being conscious of the bubble of indifference, yeah. even how with how you deal with every other human being, yeah. because how you have lived, what have has been your experience, is your own unique thing. Like yeah. nobody else can lay claim to that. Yeah. And so, for you to even understand where the next person is coming from, you have to like leave your shoes yes. for a quick second, absolutely, and pay attention. Yeah. And so, our challenge to you, our listeners today. Yeah is how are you addressing your own bubble of indifference in all your interactions? Yeah. Not just in literature, but in life. How are you addressing your neighbor? How are you, any any person you encounter, yeah. how do you then address your bubble of indifference and meet them at that point? Yeah. Yes. And it, a quick one, mm-hmm. which I see a lot like in online interactions, is somebody will say, this happened to me. And the first comment would be, that can never happen. happen but yeah. Like the person just literally say shared their lived experience. Yeah. Like why are you coming from to invalidate yeah. what they've said? I saw this, I have lived through this, or this happened to me. Yeah. So I think 
Yeah. Definitely, because I mean that's a whole other conversation on especially women and how you're really believed when you speak up, when you speak out against certain things. And so yes, how are you addressing your bubble of indifference mm-hmm. and how do you and you are alive to ha- your biases? Yes, how are you alive to your biases? How do you address your biases? Yeah. And how do you move that into your interactions? In your entire life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's it from us that, today that's it from us today thank you for joining in thank you for and listening listen, and listening all this way yes. to the end yes see you on the next one see you on the next one ciao